Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, August 9, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. The first thing we're going to do today is get our faculties in order. We're going to get an assessment of the daily chart, the weekly chart. We're going to take a look around the horn, see where we are. Obviously, today was somewhat of a non-eventful day. It was a mundane day in the market. The range was very narrow from high to low. They didn't do much. So we can't draw anything from the intraday activity, but we can always draw from the charts. So what we'll do is take a look around the horn. We'll look at as many charts as we need to to get a significant picture of what the market's main storyline is the daily chart and obviously we have to start with you know the story the trend is your friend until she dumps you and we're going to talk about cycles in a couple of minutes because we have an interesting short-term cycle that may be upon us in the short duration the next several days let's say we'll get back to that in a couple of moments is there anything really jumping off the page on the daily chart? And the answer is no. They're on the no news is good news, bad news is good news, good news is good news. That's the type of market we're in when you're in a very strong uptrend until there's some kind of a character chain, until there's some kind of maybe an internal slash external shock to the market. That may change the underlying and prevailing sentiment. But until that happens, the trend is your friend, it's the dominant force, and it's what pulls the market in the northern direction. When you go down to the 240-minute chart, what you see is that the last four 240-minute candles have basically been doing what? Eating time off the clock above the former high. There's your former high, and you can do this on any chart. And they're eating time off the clock above the former high. So the former high is considered the most recent breakout area. Now, they haven't got very far, but they're eating time off the clock. What does that mean? That means they're building energy. They're building energy to make the next move. 120-minute chart, same routine. You can see here today, they had a little dipsy-doodle down below that area, below the former high. And then what happened? They snapped right back. What does that tell you? It tells you that the former high is important. It is the most recent breakout area. And by the way, if they start getting below and spending a lot of time below, they'll probably come down some more. Do we have any evidence of that? Well, we don't have evidence, but what we have here is an hourly chart, and we can use it as a guide. These aren't tremendous moves. These are not big moves we're discussing, but these are the moves that we're discussing based on what the charts information gives back to us. This is feedback. So let's say they come below today's low. Today's low happens to be 441.31. What's the next major spot when you're looking at the hourly chart? Well, how about this hourly chart break up candle low at 440.79? So there you have it. In a give or take scenario, that low would likely hold from an intraday perspective unless the market was selling hard around the opening bell when there's a feeding frenzy going on. But under normal garden variety conditions, if that spot is tested, by the way, not only is it a breakup candle low, but you also have an area where the market spent a lot of time doing what? Eating time off the clock before breaking up. So therefore, 
This is also what? Not only is it a breakup candle low, but it's also another breakout area. You begin to see how once you have an item and then you stack another one on top, you begin to get what I like to call a full stack. Now, two doesn't nearly make it a full stack, but the more the merrier. What's below that? The big fat round number of 440. So let's just run through a scenario. You're a trader. You're looking for an SPY trade early in the morning. You're not an Inside the Numbers member, so you don't have the benefit of seeing the commentary where I believe the support and or resistance areas are, whether or not there's a buy or sell at said area. That's what we do each and every day Inside the Numbers when the trades are available, when the market sets up for an opportunity, when it sets up for a high percentage chance opportunity. But let's say you're flying blind, but you have the benefit of watching this video and saying, all right, I'm going to take heed to the breakup candle low. And oh, by the way, I realize there's 440 below that, which is a big fat round number. So what's the likelihood that the market would find garden variety support somewhere in the vicinity of the breakup candle low at 440.79 and 440, which is a really, really big and important area? And by the way, not to mention, there's a gap open just below 440. So there's a lot of stuff going on down there. So in the event that the market opens up below all that stuff, you're looking at a vacuum to the downside. But on Tuesday, for example, if the market opens up weak, you're likely to find garden variety support in and around that zone. Not to mention a couple of other things in the spirit, we'll call it, of full stack of information. On the hourly chart, in that same zone, right in the middle, you have a 50-period moving average. Okay. On the 120-minute chart, in that zone, in that neighborhood, you would be slightly below the 20-period moving average. So you would have spiked into the 20-period moving average. That's interesting. Big fat round number, 240 chart, 20-period moving average another piece of evidence in the full stack conversation. How about a 30-minute chart? Down here in that neighborhood, you have a 100-period moving average. How about a 15-minute chart? 440-40, you have a 200-period moving average. So, therefore, from the night before looking in without the benefit of seeing where the opening print is going to be on Tuesday morning, hear what we would say. If opening above 440.80, for example, and that's a zone. 440.80 down to 439.72 is what I'm calling it. We're calling it a spike of 440. That zone, it's about a dollar, a dollar and eight cents. If you open up above that zone, you're likely to find support within and a rally back up north away from that zone. If you open in that zone, I would wait for a spike of 440 or somewhere in that give or take scenario, that give or take amount around 440, where we would still be expecting garden variety of chart support from at minimum of an intraday perspective. And of course, in real time, inside the number members are going to have this information right at their fingertips. All right, new topic. We gave you some short-term stuff leading into Tuesday morning. Now we're going to stretch it out a little bit. I'm going to talk about cycles. I don't talk about cycles a lot. I've had some requests to teach cycles. I'm thinking about it. Here's the scenario that I have. Not all short-term cycles take hold. 
You don't necessarily know whether it's going to come in as a high or a low. Sometimes you have pretty good idea based on how the market is trending at the time. You're going to see a high or see a low. However, it's really about turning points. When you discuss cycles, you're not really discussing magnitude of a move. You're not really discussing price. You're discussing turning points. It's all about time. Time is more important than price. So here's what I've got. I've got two short-term cycles that are due in the month of August, and it's very interesting. They're about a week apart. The first one, ironically enough, is due on the 13th. It happens to be Friday the 13th. Could come in as a high, could come in as a low. The second one is about a week later, and we have to straddle it over the following weekend, so let's call it Friday to Monday. And the same thing goes for Friday the 13th, really could stretch out to the following Monday. So we'll call it the 13th to the 16th, and then the next one would fall on the 20th, or really the 23rd, which would be the following Monday. So let's just say for argument's sake, and we don't know because it's Monday, so we have no idea, but let's just say Friday the 13th came in as a high this week, the end of the week. What I would be expecting would be a turning point and then actually another short-term low about a week later. Now, we don't know whether this is going to take place, how this is all going to unfold. What I'm doing is giving you the results of the cycle analysis. Write it down. We'll see what happens. They don't all work out. It's not a perfect science. Cycle work is much more of an art form than a science. Not only do you have to find the cycles, but you also have to find cycles that match up. Shorter-term ones with medium-term ones with longer-term ones. Those are typically the home-run cycles. You have to be aware of them, and you have to be aware of what the market is doing into them. If the market is trending sideways from now till Friday, what can we derive from that? Which way is the cycle going to take hold? Is it going to be a top or a bottom? We would have no idea. That's why you have to massage the data. You have to just know about the cycle. You're aware of the cycle. And all of a sudden, let's just say you trade it up strongly in through Friday. Well, that's a pretty good idea that you're probably going to see a turn within a day. My interpretation. We'll see what happens. Write it down on a sticky note. Put it under your desk. Inside the numbers today, we'll circle back to stocks on the move. The market didn't go anywhere. We all know that by now. But what I am going to do is still scroll up. I'm going to let you read the entire commentary. Why? Because you need to see what's in here every single day. Some days it's quiet and there's not a lot to say. Other days, there's a whole variety of information in here, both from a technical perspective, support and resistance, and also a learning perspective. Two primary numbers on the board at zero dark 30 before the opening bell, long before. 441.75 short-term support, 440.85 if in fact that broke, that was the next area of support. They didn't get to the second one, they got two and threw a little bit the first and then bounced off of it. What was that again? 441.75, that was the former breakout area. Give or take pennies on either side, that was the main character in the play. The second number on the board was 440.85. Does that sound familiar? Sure, it's within pennies of the whole concept we just discussed. Like I said, inside the number members, 
have this data readily available. We're moving along. You can pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. There wasn't a lot going on today, but there's always something to derive from the notes. There's always something to learn every single day from the notes. Even if there's no trade, there's a reason why there isn't a trade. A trader could have bought the market today and have been long against the former high, the former breakout area. It was discussed in the notes. If you stopped the video and read the notes, you saw it. That's one of those trader choice things. It's not my favorite trade on the books. However, there are plenty of traders that will do it, that will do it successfully, and that's fine. Not every trade is for every trader. I'll tell you when I'm in a trade, but I'll also tell you what I think in terms of the market, and if a trade is at hand, doesn't mean I'm in it, doesn't mean I have to be in it. Here was the list today from Stocks on the Move, and none of them hit their entry targets the way in which we prefer. However, we're going to take a look at DOCN. We're also going to take a look at ELAN, which is listed as jumping the target. We're going to look at the chart anyway. First one is Digital Ocean. And what you'll notice is if you looked at the number, entry number one was $51.50. You could see it peeking through here at the bottom left. And the low of day was exactly $51.54. So we had a bit of a front-running situation slash they missed the number. The takeaway is the numbers work. Here's a chart of ELAN, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up because it did something funky around the opening bell. It was trading a lot higher, and all of a sudden the floor just fell out right around the opening bell, and I want to show you what happened right at the opening bell. So... 9.30 a.m., you can see here, this includes the pre-market data. Just a flash, this is without the pre-market data. So you can see here, the opening print is 29.98. That's after the opening bell. The stock was trading in the pre-market as I was looking, as we were getting closer to the opening bell. I'm looking, it's trading above the first price. It's hovering. A lot of times, when a price will hit in the pre-market, and it will stay slightly above. One of two things is the case. It's the market telling you that's the price, or there's something going on, and look what happened here. As soon as the opening bell, it opened all the way down here, and the reason why I wanna bring this up is, if you're putting an order in, and some traders do, and I do, I've done it. If you're putting an order in before the opening bell, because you're afraid of that quick spike down, and they quickly, give you the rocket ride, reverse the thing right back up. You put the order in at a couple of minutes right before the opening bell just to make sure you want to get it. Well, guess what? You have to be careful. Look what could happen. If I put the order in at the opening bell or anybody put the order in at the opening bell or before the opening bell, I've seen situations before where the order gets picked up and you're fighting the broker on what the fill was, where the thing opened, and the fact that you shouldn't have been filled. Or it opens above and just drops through the floor and that's just a screw job any way you look at it. It's just something to be aware of. You have to know that this stuff happens. You have to always be watching your trades. Net-net, it was a no trade. It was off the board because it opened below I just wanted to explain that around the opening bell type stuff.
what's going on over in Camp IWM? So they're testing and have run several tests of that 223.50 area that we identified as the first level of resistance. But let's understand that they haven't been rejected at 223.50. And now, all of a sudden, as they go sideways and eat time off the clock, recock the gun a little bit with another test at 217.5 down in that zone, now that 225.50 is not really the same anymore. The market is dynamic. Things change. Our opinion changes based on what the market is doing and what it just did or for how long it did it. Look what happened on Friday. They got as high as 225.21 and they pulled back. And then they closed at 223.39 with one of those pseudo doji candles. So how do you read that? Is the market going to go down or are they just going to go sideways and go higher than 225.50? Right now they're hanging around eating time off the clock and as long as they're above that famed 217.67 then she's in okay shape. Remember that's a weekly close. A lot can happen intra-week. So we'll use two numbers. Obviously 217.67 is going to be important but we're also going to use 218.68, which is the most recent breakup candle low, if they paid a visit in between there and the 217.67, we would expect garden variety of intraday support. And on the flip side, the longer they trade underneath this zone and eat time off the clock, the more we're going to have to become aware of what the next number is on the upside, which above this pivot here, which would be above 226.89, which is the gateway to the next number, which is really 229 and change to 230. While the IWM was down about half a percent today, and the S&P 500 was basically flat, you can't derive anything from that. I'm not calling that a divergence, because there was no conviction in the market one way or the other. The volume in the IWM was well below the average 90-day volume, the volume in the SPY was also well below the average volume. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Now, here we go again. This is my second favorite market-leading indicator, but certainly a number one canary in the coal mine. The IWM is the number one favorite market-leading indicator, but here we are with guy in second slot down over 1% today, still can't get back above the 20-period moving average. The 20-period moving average is sloping down, and it's riding the 20-period moving average down. The line in the sand right now is this weekly number. The low is 14,080, spot 38. You close a week below that, and we're in the goodnight Irene scenario. Realize they've been rotating money, sector to sector, One day, somebody gets thrown out with the bathwater, two or three sectors do, and then the next day, those sectors are up, and somebody else is getting thrown out with the bathwater. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for out of the blue, the transportation sector to catch a real rally one day and throw the transports back above the 20-period moving average. Don't discount that. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying... Watch out for that. They're rotating money, and you never know who's next. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people? The trend is your friend and all that stuff. When the market is in this position, around the highs, at the highs, 
at a new all-time high. Either way, any rendition of that. When you're looking for some kind of a turn, not that we're looking for an imminent turn tomorrow, all I'm saying is you have to be aware that unless we see some of the signs and signal of a trend change, they'll begin from a shorter duration chart, a short-term chart, and they'll morph onto longer-term charts. But until we see one begin to develop that morphs onto other charts, then the trend is your friend, and we can expect the daily chart to go back and forth and look like this until we start to see those signs and signal. We need to see a pickup in volume. We need to see a spike of some sort and maybe a reversal, finishing on the lows, a reversal candle, a pseudo-doji candle, a doji candle, a tail candle. These are all signs and signals of trend changes and how we use them and where they're best found on charts is all found in the course Lazy E-mini Trader. What about the financials? The XLF is what we're going to look at. And what we're also going to mention is that our target was 38. We probably set it in here seven, eight, nine times. There was a trade for lazy swing trader members up to 38. The trade is over. And also, the precise number, which was also given to traders, was actually 38.16. That was given last week. And what was today's high? 38.14, two pennies below the target. We started talking about this when it began eating time off the clock down around late July. We took the trade right here on the 28th and rode it to 38. The trade was taken with options. The first half was taken off with about a 45% profit. The second was taken off. The second was taken off with a whole lot more. And the net-net combined profit was about 100% give or take, depending on when traders bought it, when traders sold it, what fills they got. But net-net, it was about 100% profit. Certainly can't and won't win every trade, but this was one of the good ones. Can the XLF continue to move higher? It should find overhead resistance at 38. So if that's the case, and let's say it goes sideways for four, five, six days, whatever, a week or so, well, then it would be building energy for another push higher. But 38 should be overhead resistance. What about Smash Mouth? As long as they're above the former breakout area, similar to the discussion we had with the SPY, then there's nothing wrong with the SMH. And if they go back and forth for a while, they'll once again be building energy for another move higher. By the way, just to mention, because we discussed the cycle scenario, because we have two potential dates in the next two weeks, the first being this coming Friday, could we see one of those melt-up operations into Friday? And the answer is, we could. We could always see one of those. So if we do begin to see that, you can bet we'll be discussing throughout the week the culmination of what might happen at that melt-up high, wherever that might come in around Friday slash next Monday. We don't know, but I'm just putting the thought and put that on the sticky note under the desk. What about gold? We're gonna use the GLD chart for tonight's discussion. We'll talk about gold again. Gold has been taken out behind the woodshed. Gold is still in a long-term uptrend. I know it's hard to believe, but they're in the midst of another shakeout operation. Gold's been going down since it topped about a year ago. This peak was last August, August of 2020. 
So we've been going down. This is the 12th month. Doesn't go down every month, but we're trending lower, sideways to lower for about a year. How much longer? About two to three more months. How about a buck and a half? Here's a weekly chart. You can see a gap in here. There's good reason why A, they would want to head there. B, there would be garden variety of support there. Now, a buck and a half would be somewhat of a minimum expected number. Why? Because there's other stuff down below. Check it out. 146.82, what does that represent? Well, how about this? It represents the area where the market ran up to, it couldn't get through. So it took some time. This is a weekly chart. It took a long time to eat time off the clock. It then broke out, had a false breakout, broke down, and then it really broke out. That's still the spot. So if, in fact, we come down to around this 146, 147 area, which is also below a semi-fat round number of 150, at the time, somewhere in the vicinity, you're going to have the 200-period moving average on this weekly chart coincide with that area if, in fact, it happens in that time frame, in that two to three months out. So if, in fact, we see the market breaking below on the GLD 150, and it's, let's just say, two, three months, within two, three months from now, there's probably going to be a buy slash a long-term buy in there. We'll keep tabs on it, but I had some requests to review gold. This is a snapshot look. It was a long-term view. It's not really a short-term view like what's gold going to do tomorrow. Maybe they fill the gap down around 160 tomorrow. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.